This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Hi, I'm Greg Watson and welcome to this week's show of Property Matters, where we talk all things property, whether it's local, regional, national or international. And it's great to have your company today here on Manawatu People's Radio. Te reo irarangi o nga tangata o Manawatu. It's going to talk a little bit about the latest Real Estate Institute of New Zealand monthly property report that's come out recently. And this is relating to August of 2022. And they often compare with a year earlier to see how things are going. Jen Beard, the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand CEO, says that the market activity is slow through August, but there's early signs of a spring lift. So typically a slow month, August market activity was further affected by concerns around rising interest rates and inflation. However, there are enough early signs of a spring lift as vendors balance price expectations with reality and traffic through open homes increases, according to the latest data and insights from the Ryan's report. Across New Zealand, the median prices for residential property decreased 5.9% annually from 850000 in August 2021 to 800000 in August 2022. So it's uh, good to see if you're looking to buy that some of those incredible asking prices and median prices are starting to come back a bit. This is largely created by the artificial situation where the Government has removed a lot of first home buyers and investors from the market in terms of making the criteria very hard for them. But what we've noticed recently and anecdotally is quite a lot of first home buyers returning to the market and we've seen this a lot in Wanganui, we've seen it quite a lot in Palmerston North where the prices have uh, come down a little and we'll talk about that soon and vendors' expectations are becoming a little bit more realistic. So we'll look now at uh, some of the regions around the country and what's happened when comparing the median price to uh, this time 12 months ago. So some areas are up, like uh, Bay of Plenty and Gisborne, Taranaki, Hawke's Bay, Nelson, West Coast and Southland are all up. In fact, the entire South Island is up compared to a year ago. For example, Marlborough is up 14.5%. The West Coast, the house prices are up 25% compared to a year ago. So if you think it's all doom and gloom everywhere, it's certainly not. Uh, Manawatu, Wanganui, we had the massive rise in prices, over 30% per year. So relatively speaking, we're down 6.6% from where we were a year ago. But that was was just really just a bit of a correction. And then things will stabilise and continue to move upwards. So I'll move now to the, I guess, some of the information about the region and where we are at here in Manawatu, Wanganui. And so these words here from Jen Baird, the CEO of the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand, relating to our region, Manawatu, Wanganui did have the annual de- decrease. Uh, 
salespeople in the region are saying that first home buyers have been driven out the market due to loan to value ratios, rising interest rates and overpriced properties, making them unaffordable for many. But like I say, this information is a little old now and we're seeing first home buyers return. Investors, yeah, it's been hard, and Jen Baird uh, mentions how they've been negatively impacted by new regulations and tax legislation. And the open home attendance was light in August. We've definitely noticed it increasing now in September. There's no doubt about that, that people are returning to the market. And that leads on to, I guess, some of the specifics here, what's happening more specifically in the area. Uh, Rangitike district prices are actually up 10.5%. Wanganui district up uh, uh, 1% on, on both of those based on compared to last month. But overall, uh, Manawatu District has gone up in the last year, so it sort of does depend where in the region you live a little bit, and um, certainly lots going on. So this article from Trade Me, uh, sorry, information from Trade Me coming up, this is an article on stuff by Brianna Mickelraith. It says, housing supply jumped 76% in 12 months, Trade Me says. This is good news if you're looking to buy. means there's more to choose from, and um, possibly the ability to get a property a little cheaper than you could recently. So Trade Me Property Sales Director Gavin Lloyd says the nationwide property supply had been higher year on year each month for nine months. And last month marked the third month in a row where we saw listing numbers spike by more than 50% year on year. And while last month's spike was partly due to the nationwide lockdown in August 2021, the increases had been on an upward trajectory all year and currently supply was well above pre-pandemic levels. It talks about uh, Waikato having the highest number of properties for sale ever last month, with supply more than doubling in the region compared to 2021. Hawke's Bay, Nelson, Tasman, Bay of Plenty, Wanganui and Manawatu regions also had more than double the number of properties for sale in August when compared to the same time last year. So it's interesting to see that there are more available and that's really good if you're looking to buy. And again, that uh, competition between people selling means that uh, prices generally stabilise a bit uh, where that supply and demand comes off and the, the foot comes off the accelerator a bit, allowing more options and more appeal to uh, investors and first-home buyers. Also in the news, you may have noticed recently, Westpac has just increased the home loan rates again. So it might be interesting just to recall where we are historically. They're still not that bad, historically speaking. We've gone through a very low patch of uh, interest rates where they were way, way down, which was incredible. But compared to long-term averages, um, the interest rates were still quite low. So when the media talks about the difficulties in people affording interest, the interest rate repayments, they're really talking about if you've purchased in the last couple of years that you'll be paying more, uh, of course, as those come off fixed terms in terms of the mortgages. However, if you haven't purchased for a while, you just work out these rates as what they are and just use that in your decision as to whether to take a mortgage, uh, to buy an investment property or a first home. So Westpac saying it will lift the six-month, one-year and 18-month and two-year rates by 30 basis points. Uh, and that takes the bank's two-year special rate to 5.65, still very low, like I say, historically speaking, and it's carded two-year rate available to those who do not meet the criteria for the special to 6.25. 
And it follows a similar move by ANZ uh, earlier in the week, which raised its special one-year fixed rate 30 basis points to 5.45. And at the start of August, uh, ANZ had cut that rate to 4.99. So could they go higher? Yes, possibly. Uh, they could possibly go higher. But it's uh, it's good still to lock in, I believe, um, some of those rates. And I read a report earlier today by Tony Alexander that says most investors – uh, who are coming off, um, who are needing to decide what to do with their, their homes and mortgages are just fixing those in because, again, they have a longer-term view and uh, yeah, it may uh, likely, probably more likely go up a bit than come down a bit. So that's good to know uh, in terms of those decision-making ideas. And if you are worried about... Uh, Housing and the housing prices and the location where where you are. This article from Joanna Davis on stuff says this tiny town known for its pies is defying the housing market drop. Gives an example of Susie Jones and her husband who moved to Roxborough, a tiny town in central Otago. When they did, a neighbour dropped in a lamb roast on their front step to welcome them. Another neighbour apologised he had not managed to mow the lawn for the couple before they moved in. And that's what Roxborough is like. Jones, a long-time Aucklander, says, friendly and familiar. We lived in a house in Albany for 18 years. I knew all the neighbours on all boundaries, but I've met more people in Roxburgh in two years than I did in Auckland for 20. If someone gets COVID in Roxburgh, there is a team that turns up with bread, milk and hot meals. So where's Roxburgh? It's a town of 600 people around about on the banks of the Clutha River in Teviot Valley, central Otago. It's probably best known for its stone fruit, uh, Stark, Graham, Sydney landscapes, and of course the world famous in New Zealand, Jimmy's Pies. There's photos in this article, and it actually looks like a stunning place to live if you wanted a, a lifestyle change. So there are 27 towns or suburbs that have defied the downward trend with price increases between June and September this year. Roxburgh had the biggest rise, a 10% jump to 505,800 from 457,000 in the previous quarter. Harcourt's real estate agent Brigitte Patterson, herself a fifth-generation Roxburgh resident, is not surprised prices have held there, as she says it's affordable anyway, particularly for city-siders selling and going rural. So when you look at prices in main centres, they can, when compared, you can come into the valley there and they can buy a really good quality home for seven or $800,000, and then even then you can have some money left over depending on where you are selling from. So it seems to be a ni- nice place. I mean, it's uh, a bit of a hidden jewel away from Queenstown, Wanaka and Cromwell sort of thing, but still close enough to be able to do uh, some of those winter activities. A lot of people that live in that area are actually sort of lifestyle or uh, self-sufficient, maybe working away from the office and working remotely, there's a lot more of that going on. So it's interesting to see that from earlier in the show, I talked about increase in median prices being around the around parts of the country, and those were all the really the um, what you might call the regions outside of the large centres. And just staying on a general um, South Island theme for a minute, uh, Arrowtown local fights mansions planned for the town's greenbelt. 
So man who owns a historic Arrowtown gold miners' cottage is preparing an uphill fight against encroaching development. Dave Hannan says planning laws mean he's the only person who can fight the proposals by his high-profile neighbours, including Sir Michael Hill, former serious fraud office head Adam Fairley and developer John Guthrie in the Environment Court. They all wanted to build mansions on the fringes of Arrowtown, Hannan claimed, and he was trying to protect the town from urban bleed. For 30 years, the Arrowtown community has supported a rural green belt around the well-defined edges of the town, population 2,800. The Green Mountain Belt has maintained the town's village-like feel, but has also contributed to soaring house prices. And check this out. The current median value for a residential house in Arrowtown is about $1.8 million. Man, that's amazing. So you probably see why they do want to um, develop some houses there. So plans to subdivide sections along McDonnell Road and next to the town's boundary have been turned down in the Environment Court four times and recently in High Court because they would reduce the Greenbelt area. In the meantime, the Arrowtown Lifestyle Retirement Village, which was approved under the Housing Accords and Special Housing Act, has started construction of 120 villas, 75 apartments and a 100-bed residential aged care facility. More recently, Hill successfully sought a special resort zone at the Hills Golf Course, allowing another 140 houses and apartments to be built. It really is a stunning, stunning and beautiful part of the of the area uh, down there. And um, it'll be interesting to see how, how those go, really. Uh, would you live somewhere like that? I, I think I would. I'm not sure what I would do. I like the idea of retiring to there. That would be nice. Lovely spot, a beautiful part of the world. Speaking of uh, parts of the world where you might like to live or might not like to live, this article from Stuff talks about the real buyer's home from Stranger Things is up for sale. So if you're familiar with the Netflix show Stranger Things, there's a property from the show that has been listed in Fayetteville, Georgia, US. Now this is the uh, literally the home that is the buyer's home, the main family's home out of the TV show. It's a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house that was a location in the show. It's been listed for US $300,000, which is just over half a million New Zealand dollars, not too bad. But the problem, the... 1,846 square foot resident is being sold as is and is in need of a complete makeover, but that may not matter to die-hard fans. This is the original Byers house. That's right, the home of Will Joyce and Jonathan Byers, just outside the outskirts of the fictional town Hawkins. The listing on Georgia MLS says, in regard to the characters played by Noah Schnapp, Winona Ryder and Charlie Heaton. The home was featured throughout the first few seasons of the show and remains a nostalgic focal point for the series. The listing notes the house could be perfect for a short-term rental once it's all fixed up. So since the show was aired, fans have travelled far and wide almost daily just to drive by and get a picture. So much so, the owners had to put up a driveway barricade and a private property sign just to get people, or to keep people from trespassing. So needless to say, the house get ton, gets tons of attention. So wouldn't it be interesting to buy it as an investment, have it as an Airbnb? Now those of you who haven't uh, aren't aware of the show um, there is it's pretty, a bit on the scary side it's a bit of a horror show uh, there is an alternate world a very bleak one uh, where it can be accessed from this house in the show so <laughs> uh, fans were pretty 
transfixed when this appeared on a social media page called Zillow Gone Wild. Now, Zillow is a uh, United States housing page, but uh, social media page Zillow Gone Wild, Wild and fans are transfixed. Sure, what could go wrong, one person joked. Thank you for including the views of the Upside Down, someone said about the editing work of some of the photos. This must mean you get the Upside Down house in addition to this house, two for one, and Upside Down is this alternate reality uh, that the uh, main actors go into. Uh, someone wanted the Christmas lights on the wall, which was another really scary part of the show, uh, where they'd use Christmas lights to communicate with um, somebody who is in the upside down area so if that appeals to you wouldn't it be really cool to buy that as a airbnb and set it up just as it was in the show uh, that is with the the flickering lights um, be fun even to somehow rig it up so you could communicate with people now the lights uh, were on the wall with letters of the alphabet and um, you could really freak people out if you wanted to <laughs> by communicating with them uh, through the lights. So, oh dear, I, I digress. But um, an article here, I uh, talked about more first home buyers returning to the market. It is getting easier in a way and uh, and that's mainly around uh, the, the house prices that have come back a little um, still tricky in other ways, still needing a um, to save the deposit, of course, and still needing to make sure that you can make the repayments on the interest rates. But remember, when banks lend to anyone, including first-home buyers, they are allowing in their decision to lend money the fact that the interest rates could go up. So that's where if you can get a uh, loan at the moment as a first-home buyer, you should be fine for quite some time to come. But this article by Simran Kaur talks about, can you get a mortgage if you have a student loan over $100,000? So I know when I had a student loan back in the day and I came out of university, back then we were told that student loans wouldn't affect banks' lending decisions and of course that proved to be not the case. Um, and, uh, and really this article here is um, from Simran Kaur, who's a co-founder of Girls at Invest, and that offers commentary on personal investment aimed specifically at young people. So if you're a first home buyer and you've got a student loan, um, this question is for you. So the question was, if you have a student loan over 100000 are you now definitely not eligible for a mortgage from the bank? So uh, this is uh, Simran's comments. I saw info lurking around on social media platforms. Haven't done my own research on it, but I'm a bit stressed as I would love to buy my own home with my partner. I have a student loan that's over $100,000 and I'm paying it off bit by bit on top of the percentage that goes towards my debt from my paycheck. But I feel like it won't be enough when I'm ready to purchase a home. Please help. So the answer, hello, this is such a great question. It's one we get asked a lot about. So let's start by breaking down what banks look at when you're applying for a pre-approval. A pre-approval can be thought of as a stamp on your name to say the bank has agreed to lending you up to X amount of dollars to go buy your home, sometimes with a few conditions attached. And that's a very good first step is to get that pre-approval. So New Zealand follows different laws and regulations about student loans from some other countries. For one, our student loans are interest-free, and as long as you're living and working in New Zealand, that means our banks don't look at that. So I beg your pardon, the banks don't look at that has higher interest rates. So uh, if you have car loans, 
credit card debt or even buy now pay later schemes are considered bad forms of debt. So that's why student loans don't affect your credit score or credit history. So just to reiterate, you're paying no interest on them. But if you are paying interest on credit card debt, car loans and buy now pay later schemes, all of those things affect what you can lend. And I know from experience and from doing the research that in fact the amount that the limits on your cards or your car loans or the buy now pay later schemes have have a highly disproportionate effect on the amount that you can lend. You can lend substantially more if you get rid of those things. So to get the bank to say yes to giving you a mortgage, you need two things, a deposit and an income. Where student loans become a problem is that they can reduce your income. Why? Because the government takes 12% of your salary once you earn more than 21000 a year, which reduces the amount of debt you can service, in other words, the repayments. But all your mortgage broker or bank has to do is take this percentage off your weekly salary to see what your income is and then consider whether this can support a mortgage. How far you make is far more important, or sorry, how much you make is far more important than how much student loan that you have. So that's something to consider, and that's really interesting. I think I learned something from that article. Uh, It's just saying that it can affect your ability to repay. So don't lose hope. Uh, Probably go and see a mortgage advisor or a bank, show them your situation, and see if you can get that pre approval Uh, in terms of your best possible shot. At it, uh, pay off your credit cards if you can. And also, when we talk about the buy now, pay later schemes, these are the things, and I'm sorry to grab a company name, it's just one that's come to mind, uh, ones like Afterpay. Now, what you're actually doing when you're buying an item on there, even if it's a $100 item, is you're effectively given, um, I think it's, and don't quote me on this, but it's something like a couple of thousand dollars of credit. And that affects your ability to lend. So even if you've got a $100 purchase on something from the warehouse you're paying off over four weeks, that massively will also impact. So pay off the, the afterpay type, pay now, buy now, pay later schemes um, and reduce as much of the debt as possible. Because what you're actually getting rid of is the interest that's being charged. Um, and that makes your position for paying off a loan much, much better. Um, and that's uh, something which is, is good advice in general as well. I know recently, not recently, a few years ago I chopped up my credit card because the interest on those things is massive. And again, it affects your ability to lend to do things. I really wish that um, fin- a bit of financial literacy was taught in, in schools or taught more in schools because uh, quite a lot of the people that are coming out of school have the first few years of their working life um, can tend to build up quite a lot of debt and uh, once you've got that debt to a certain size, it can be pretty hard to pay that back. So continuing talking about uh, first home buyers, I mentioned that I'd had a feeling more people were returning. This has been confirmed actually in a article on NewsHub. It says, first home buyers quietly returned to the housing market, making up one quarter of the properties purchased in August. So CoreLogic, New Zealand's latest buyer classification data for the month of August, First home buyers have made up that 25%, and that's the highest activity seen amongst first home buyers since December 2021. You may recall in November some changes were made that made it much harder uh, for the first home buyers to get into the market. So Chief Property Economist at CoreLogic, Kelvin Davidson, said the first home buyer's share of the market has been steadily climbing over the last 
couple of months, sitting at 21% in March. So it's going upwards there. And he, he talks about the loan-to-value ratio rules that stopped some first-home buyers from entering the market, but others merely held back in the hopes of getting a better deal and are now re-engaging now that the prices have fallen. He said some first-home buyers have recognised that picking the bottom of the market is difficult and in the meantime they might miss out on a house that they really like. The easing of the rules around the Credit Contract and Consumer Finance Act, that's the CCCFA, may have helped with further changes expected next year. The government's also moved to increase the caps on first home grants, which has helped, he said. And he added, with a recent increase in the cap for Kiwi build homes, developers may be drawn to more of those properties, giving further options would be first home buyers. So overall, around 5,250 private and agent sales were made through August, compared to the long-term average over two decades of August of around 7,800 sales. So sales are down a bit, and Kiwi cash buyers with multiple properties also saw an increase. And last year, multiple property owners made up 9 to 10% of the market share for cash, and that's seen an increase to 14 to 15%. So that means that uh, investors, to a certain extent, are returning to the market as well. So I've had this, what feels like a fairly long period since November uh, of last year, of stifled activity, and now uh, things appear to be just picking up a bit from that News Hub article. And that's all we've got time for this week. It's been lovely having your company here on Property Matters. I'm Greg Watson, and you can find the show on MPR, that's Manawatu People's Radio, mpr.nz, or where all good podcasts are found. Just search for Property Matters, Greg Watson. Until next time, have a great week. If you enjoy this MPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.